प्रयुक्तो विद्युतात्मा विजितात्मा जितेंद्रिया सार्वधूतात् भूतात्मा खुरवन आपि नलिप्यते One who works in devotion who is a pure soul and who controls his mind and senses is dear to everyone and everyone is dear to him though always working such a man is never entangled purport can everyone hear yeah one who is on the path of liberation by krishna consciousness is very dear to every living being and every living being is dear to him this is due to his krishna consciousness such a person cannot think of any living being as separate from krishna just as the leaves and branches of a tree are not separate from the tree he knows very well that by pouring water on the root of the tree the water will be distributed to all the leaves and branches or by supplying food to the stomach the energy is automatically distributed throughout the body because one who works in krishna consciousness is servant to all he is very dear to everyone and because everyone is satisfied by his work he is pure in consciousness because he is pure in consciousness his mind is completely controlled and because his mind is controlled his senses are also controlled because his mind is always fixed on krishna there is no chance of his being deviated from krishna nor is there a chance that he will engage his senses in matters other than the service of the lord he does not like to hear anything except topics relating to krishna he does not like to eat anything which is not offered to krishna and he does not wish to go anywhere if krishna is not involved therefore his senses are controlled a man or woman of controlled senses cannot be offensive to anyone one may ask why then was arjuna offensive in battle to others wasn't he in krishna consciousness hmm. arjuna was only superficially offensive because as has already been explained in the second chapter all the assembled persons on the battlefield would continue to live individually as the soul cannot be slain so spiritually no one was killed on the battlefield of kurukshetra only their dresses were changed by the order of krishna who was personally present therefore arjuna while fighting on the battlefield of kurukshetra was not really fighting at all he was simply carrying out the orders of krishna in full krishna consciousness such a person is never entangled in the reactions of work one who works in devotion who is a pure soul and who controls his mind and senses is dear to everyone and everyone is dear to him though always working such a man is never entangled in the 6th chapter of the gita krishna tells arjuna 
that renunciation is not for one who does no work, nor lights no fire, but real renunciation is for one who pre performs his prescribed duties in devotion to him. This devotion awakens within the heart through the association of the Lord and his devotees. How do we associate with the Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead? We have many very deeply rooted propensities. We must dovetail those propensities with Krishna in the center. And Krishna being the all-merciful father and mother of all living beings, is again and again and again providing facilities by which we could always keep him in the center of our lives. One of the greatest and deepest propensities within every living being is to find some excitement through the process of hearing. How much money is spent, how much time and energy of human lives goes to going to cinema houses, watching the television, seeing dramas and plays, listening to music, reading books, reading novels, gossiping, telling rumors. Huh? How much of your lives are spent in this way? The average man or woman, practically all of his entertainment is coming from this. The propensity to find excitement within our minds and in our hearts through the process of hearing is innate within all of our hearts. Therefore, the Lord is so kind that he personally descends within this world to perform the most extraordinary, unbelievable, and transcendental activities that are simply wondrous and amazing to the mind. And by hearing these wonderful activities, not only do we find entertainment for the senses, but we water the very root of our existence by giving the highest pleasure to our very soul. Therefore, it is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Srinvatam Sukata Krishna Pungya Sravana Kiritana Haridyanta Stohi Bhadrani Vidunoti Surit Satam that one who takes great pleasure in hearing the pastimes, the glories, and the teachings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. More than anything else, this gives pleasure to the Lord, who within the heart reciprocates by completely purifying all the impurities within you and establishing irrevocable love of God. Nasta praeshu bhadreshu nityam bhagavati sevaya bhagavati utama sloke bhaktir bhavati naishtiki. One who regularly hears 
the glories of the Lord as is described in the Gita and the Bhagavat. And one who renders service to those who are surrendered to chanting the glories of the Lord. Such a person becomes free from the clutches of all suffering and attains the highest liberation of prema, pure love of God. So the Lord, again and again and again, out of his causeless mercy, gives us a chance to hear his glories. It is said in the Gita, you all know the verse, Paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanaradhaya sambhavami juge juge. Krishna says in the fourth chapter that in order to annihilate the miscreants, to protect the pious, and to reestablish the principles of religion, I descend, I advent myself again and again and again. But he does not require adventing himself to annihilate the miscreants. Within a moment, he can just send a stone from the sky and destroy any demon, however powerful they are. He is within the heart, even of the most wicked. With his Sudarsan Chakra, all he has to do is cut one vein of the heart from within and the person will drop dead immediately. He does not have to come to protect the pious. He can do that by his divine energy. And to reestablish the principles of religion, he can do that through his devotees. He can empower the great sense. Externally, these are the reasons he comes. But internally, the real reason is to perform such wonderful such incredible pastimes that will attract the minds of all the world for all time to come. So today is a very sacred and special day. Today is the day when the Supreme Personality of God had descended into this world in one of his ten most celebrated and important of all incarnations. amongst those who follow the Vaishnav Sanatan Dharma. This is one of the great holy days of the year. Jayadev Goswami, in his Gita Govinda, has written an introduction called the Das Avatar, where he describes briefly the ten most important incarnations of Narayan. And in one verse he ends it, Keshavadrita Sukara Rupa Jaya Jagadisha Hari. Keshavadrita Sukara Rupa Jaya Jagadisha Hari. Jaya Jagadisha Hari. Jaya Jagadisha Hari. Ah, this is the day when the all-merciful personality of Godhead, the creator of all creation, the source of everything that exists, the cause of all causes, and the ever-well-wishing friend of all living beings, descended in this world in the most munificent form of a boar. 
the story goes something like this. It is described by uh, Maitreya Rishi to Vidura in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, and actually this story has a very, very relevant message for what is going on today in the world. And I think you will all discover this message as we relate the summary of this story. Uh, so at one time, two great asuras were born in this world. They were born of the wife of Kashyapamuni, Diti. How they were born is very, very important to understand also. You see, Diti was feeling a very great impulse to enjoy with Kashyapamuni, to have union with him. They were in the forest at the time. And Kashyapamuni said, no, no, it is not an auspicious time. We should not do it. We should wait for auspicious time. But she was not very inclined to wait. So she, um, I don't know exactly how they do it, but somehow or other she turned up the volume of her charms and he agreed. And then Kashyapamuni, being a great saint, told her that because this was done, not in a spirit of devotion, but in a spirit of passion, without consideration of time or place, very, very evil, wicked, inauspicious person will take birth in your womb. In civilized society, everything is done with control. Everything is done in a spirit of devotion. Nothing is done simply by the whims of the immediate demands of our senses. If we engage, engage in those activities, we can expect a very, very painful reaction. Eh? So as a result, Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha were born. And they performed great, great tapasya. And they were worshippers of the demigods. They worshipped Brahma and Shiva, respectively. Ah. They both gained great benedictions by Lord Brahma. Sometimes we see that demoniac people they worship God or the demigods who they claim to be God and we think he can't be all bad if he worships God but Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyaksha they worship Brahma with great great devotion and in the Ramayana we find that Ravana was a very very good devotee of Lord Shiva he had a beautiful temple and every day several times a day he would go into that temple and worship but what was his goal for worshipping? Not unmotivated, uninterrupted service, but power, prestige, and control over others' lives. Huh? 
So they worshipped God, but for the wrong reason. But by the worship of these demigods, they gained tremendous, tremendous strength. They had bodies that were so big, they were like mountains. They were insurmountable and undestructible. And they conquered the entire universe. Huh? Today, even the biggest, biggest asuras, they can hardly conquer their next door neighbors without causing a big fuss. But these are real, really great demons. They conquered the entire universe. And there was nobody who could even challenge them. Even the UN um, subcommittees could not declare war on these great souls. They were the undisputed controllers of the universe. And Hiranyaksha, it is described that he exploited the earth to such an extent for his sense gratification. You see, when you exploit the earth of its natural resources, the earth loses its balance. In those days, the greatest wealth was gold. Huh? There was nothing more valuable and precious for the economy than gold. Therefore, they were mining and mining and mining and usurping and exploiting for evil, selfish purposes so, so much gold that the imbalance of the earth took place and it is described that the earth fell into the Garabodak Ocean. Now, do you know what is gold for this day and age? Black gold. In America, it's sometimes called black gold or Texas tea, which is oil. Oil is the gold of today. And if we pump the earth of its own natural sources of oil, more and more and more and more and more, for evil purposes of sense gratification, without consideration of service to God, which the earth was meant for, then we can understand there will be a tremendous imbalance in the earth and there will be very, very painful repercussions. So Hiranyaksha was stealing the oil or the gold for the earth and therefore the earth was cast into the ocean of Garabodak. And then he was just going place to place, neighbor to neighbor, country to country, planet to planet, just challenging everyone to fight. And before he would even get there, they would run for their lives and hide. So he found that even Indra was nowhere to be seen. So he dove deep into the ocean and he attained the abode of Varuna, Vivavari. And in a very cynical and arrogant way, he fell at the feet of Varuna Dev and said, I challenge you, please, I beg, fight me. I want to fight. Varuna was a very peaceful and saintly person. 
What is the use of this fighting? Unnecessary fighting for what? You already have more than you need. But those who are materialistic by nature, they're always ready for another fight because they always want more. Never satisfied. Hiranyaksha conquered the whole universe with his brother and they still were not satisfied. Because if you cannot control your senses in God consciousness, the senses will never be satisfied. Bhagavad Gita explains the senses burn like fire. They'll never be satiated by more fuel. They will only grow hotter and burn. Ah. So Varuna, he said that I am an old man. I can no longer fight. If you're really so brave as you think you are, I'll tell you who you should fight. Now while this was going on, something else took place. All the great saints and sages, all the demigods, they approached Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma, they said, the earth is submerged. We have no power to lift it. Do something. So Lord Brahma, he understood, even though he was the greatest person in the universe, he had no power. So he began to meditate on Krishna, Vishnu. My dear Lord, you know what must be done. And ultimately we are all helpless. Ultimately we are all so weak that from Brahma down to the insignificant ant, we are all exclusively dependent on the mercy of the Lord at every moment for our very survival. So therefore the great personalities, however popular, however wealthy, however important they are in this world, they always remember that they are totally dependent on the mercy of God. And they always gratefully reciprocate with the Lord by engaging in humble devotional service. You may be a rich man or a, or a beautiful woman. You may be well-educated with PhD. You may have everything in your life in order, all your bills paid. You may be highly recognized by your friends and associates. You may think, I'm doing well on my own. But compared to Lord Brahma, you are an invalid insect. Hmm? And even the great, great Lord Brahma at every moment realizes that I am completely helplessly depending on the mercy of Krishna. And everything he does is in the service of Krishna. That is knowledge. To forget that is the source of all suffering. It is the cause of all bondage, ignorance. So Lord Brahma began to meditate on the Supreme Lord. Please, my Lord, do what you feel is required. And at that time, on the anniversary that takes place on this day, something extraordinary took place. A little creature came out of Brahma's nose. He was the size of the tip of a thumb. 
and he floated into the sky. And everyone was thinking, what is this? And then that little creature began to grow. He was in the form of a boar. And soon he grew to the size of a large mountain. And everyone who witnessed this, they were arguing amongst each other, who is this? What is this? And then Lord Brahma began to speculate. It must be the Supreme Lord Vishnu himself. Who else could do like this? As far as could Vishnu, could the Supreme God do like this? The answer is, why not? He can do as he likes. He is Swarat. The meaning of God is fully independent. Thy will be done. Nothing is impossible for the supreme source of all creation. And then Lord Bohr, just to encourage all of them, he roared. He roared like a mountain. It filled the entire sky. And then he smiled and he cast his merciful glance upon all of his devotees. And then they all began to chant, Jai Ho Varadev. And then he dove into the ocean. And he lifted the earth with his tusks. So you can imagine how big he became. And it is described by Jayadev Goswami that when he was moving about in the ocean with the earth in his tusks, it looked like the moon with two scars on it. Meanwhile, Varuna explained to Hiranyaksha, if you are so arrogant about being a good fighter, then you go fight with Varahadev, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You think you're so great? <laughs> you fight him and soon you will be laying on the ground the food for jackals and dogs. And of course, it's described in the Srimad Bhagavatam that Asuras, they are so proud of whatever power they have that they become so foolishly intoxicated that they think no one can defeat me. Even God himself how could he possibly defeat me? So they are not afraid to declare war or challenge any adversary, even if they are millions of times, billions of times more powerful. This is the nature when the ego becomes too much inflated with the intoxication. You lose all your intelligence. So Hiranyaksha, dove into the ocean. There he met Lord Varahadev and he challenged, oh amphibious beast, I challenge you to a battle. Let us have a war. Today your head will be severed by my mighty mace and you will be the food for jackals and vultures. Meanwhile, Lord Varahadev was like a mother taking care of the earth planet. 
huh? And he was thinking, I will endanger Mother Earth if I fight with this man. So first I have to take care of her. And he just went by. And Hiranyaksha began to insult you, coward. What sort of a person are you running from battle? And it is described that these words were like shafted arrows that caused pain to the heart of the Lord. Srimad Bhagavatam explains that the Lord is a person. He is sentient, but he is supreme. He has unlimited, infinite power of each one of his senses. But when his own children and everyone is his children, insults him and abuse him with their words, he does feel pain. And when he is glorified, he feels great, great pleasure. This is the nature of the Supreme Lord. But he was willing to bear that pain to protect the earth, which is a great lesson to be learned. We should be willing to, in the discharge of our service, we should be willing to bear any difficult, any reversal. Srila Prabhupada explains in this connection that when devotees go to chant the holy names of the Lord to propagate God consciousness, which is really the same as the Lord lifting the earth from the uh, depths of the ocean, when the devotees go out to assist their spiritual master in a compassionate mission of mercy. What they are doing is they are going out like Lord Varaha to take the hearts of the conditioned souls who are in a suffering condition of darkness and lift it out of the ocean of nations. And in the process of doing that, just like Lord Varaha, you can expect you will be insulted, you will be abused, and you will be attacked. But Lord Varaha tolerated all of these abuses and then he put the earth and floated it atop the ocean. And then he turned to Hiranyaksha and said, now meet your death. And they both looked at each other and the war began. They both had mighty maces and these maces, as they were pounding one another, the noise of these heavy metal weapons pounding against each other made it impossible to even hear anything else in all directions. And then they began to uh, bludgeon each other's bodies. And both bodies were covered with blood. And the smell of the blood simply increased the rage of each other's anger. At one point, Hiranyaksha struck the Lord's club with such force that the Lord dropped his mace. And all the devotees and all the saints and elder demigods, they were thinking, oh my God, the Lord, he was going to be killed. And Hiranyaksha, at that time, he lifted the Lord's mace and said, take it back. Let us fight fairly. Actually, it seems like he was righteous, 
But in reality, he was simply insulting the Lord. But he did do a little service unknowingly. That is his good fortune. Then they began to fight. And then the Lord knocked the mace out of Hiranyaksha's hands. And the Lord picked up the mace and said, Here, my friend, take it. And Hiranyaksha was, I can't take it from you. It's an insult. So he picked up his trident and hurled it with such force. And Lord Varahadev took his Sudarshan chakra and completely destroyed the mighty trident of Hiranyaksha. And the battle went on very fiercely. When all weapons failed, Hiranyaksha took his mighty fists and began to pound it on the chest of the Lord. But it had no effect. The Lord stood there, unfazed, smiling. Then Hiranyaksha understood that it is becoming very difficult. Night was coming. The devotees and the demigods began to warn Lord Varahadev that after the sunset, the demons become extremely powerful. It is explained in the Shastra that from noon to sunset is the time that is most conducive for victory by the pious. But after sunset, the demoniac forces become very, very strong. So Lord Brahma began to call out, kill him now, kill him now. And Lord Varahadev simply smiled. At that time, Hiranyaksha disappeared. And raging winds began to blow through, through the atmosphere. And dark, dark clouds. And from these clouds, razor-edged, mountain-like stones began to shower from the sky. And then tridents and swords and bludgeons began to shower from the clouds with great force. And then, coming in all directions, blowing at incredible speeds in the wind with stool, urine, bones, and blood, and pus. And then naked demonesses with tridents in their hands began to scream. And yakshas and rakshashas came and started howling great obscenities. And it looked like a hopeless situation. But Lord Varahadev simply took his Sudarshan chakra. And as soon as it appeared, the light from it completely destroyed the entire illusion created by Hiranya. The darkness of illusion cannot stand in the presence of God. Krishna Surya Samaya Hoyandakar. At that time, Hiranyaksha desperately went to embrace the Lord and crush him with his mighty arms. And as he put the Lord between his arms, as he started to squeeze, the Lord disappeared and appeared outside. 
And then again with his fists, he began to pound the Lord on all parts of his body. And then Lord Varahadev thought, the game is about time to end. Effortlessly, he took his hoof. Boars don't have hands, they have hoofs, I think. So he took his little hoof and very gracefully, gently touched Hiranyaksha behind his ear. And Hiranyaksha felt that as such a blow that his eyes bulged from their sockets. His hair stood on end. He began to pass stool and urine simultaneously, and like a tree struck by a whirlwind, he fell to the ground dead. And then everyone began to shower flowers and words of praise upon the Lord. Of course, the Supreme Personality of Godhead he could have killed this demon in a second. But the Lord fulfills everyone's desires to a certain extent. The demon wanted to think that he could kill the Lord, so he let him think it for some time. Just like a cat when it goes to kill a mouse. It's no fun if he just kills it. He'll catch it and let it go and catch it and let it go, and catch it and let it go. And every time it lets it go, the mouse is thinking, aha, just see, I'm, I'm, I've out-tricked this cat. And then the cat catches it, he says, uh-oh. Then he lets it go, ah, just see how powerful, the mouse can't keep me, the cat. And then ultimately, after he gets tired of playing, he just kills it. So in this way, the Lord effortlessly killed the great demon. And then, after this took place, Lord Varahadev ascended into the sky for everyone to see. And everyone began to chant beautiful, all the saints and sages, beautiful, beautiful prayers glorifying his supreme mercy upon all. His unlimited opulence. And the Lord being pleased with their prayers he cast his merciful glance upon them and then he ascended higher and higher and returned to his eternal abode of Vaikuntha. Shukadev Goswami explains how Maitreya Muni, as he was describing this pastime to uh, Vidura, he gave a benediction that anyone who with a sincere and submissive heart hears this most wonderful narration of the appearance of Lord Varahadev will find the presence of the Lord eternally manifesting within his life. And even if one has committed the most horrible of all sins, even if a man has killed a saintly Brahman, by submissively hearing this narration, 
one is liberated from all sinful reactions of all previous lives and attains the supreme position of unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving service to the Lord. So why is it that we hear these stories again and again and we are still not liberated? We are still constantly being crushed by the reactions of our past sins. And as far as love, it seems so far away. The Bhagavatam explains, Shushru shroshadadhanasya vasudeva kataruchi syan mahatsevaya vipra punyatiratana sevanat. That the true eagerness and desire to hear with a sincere and submissive heart only awakens when we accept the position of the humble servant of the great saints. When we hear from them and when we serve them with an honest and faithful heart, through that process, the, 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 the propensity to truly hear the Lord's glories with a sincere heart awakens. So this is the great opportunity that is at hand for each and every one of us. And on these auspicious days, such as today, which is Varaha Dwadasi, we should take advantage by coming to the temple of the Lord, by associating with the devotees of the Lord, by, by seeking our pleasure in life and hearing these beautiful stories, and by reciprocating by engaging in devotional service. And the most important of all service in this age of Kali Yuga is to chant the holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thank you very much. Is there any announcements? I have announcement. Tomorrow is an even more auspicious and sacred day in the calendar of Vaishnavas. Tomorrow is the birthday or the appearance day of Lord Nityananda, who is the uh, incarnation of Lord Balaram, who appeared as the divine brother of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Lord Nityananda is especially incarnating to show mercy to the most fallen. So if you do not think that you're the most fallen, that means you really are the most fallen. Huh? And if you think you are the most fallen, then it's very much required to come tomorrow and receive the mercy of Lord Nityananda. So I think that includes all of us. So please, at 6.30 tomorrow evening, there will be a wonderful uh, performance of bhajans, singing beautiful songs about Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. And then there will be a lecture 
on the life and teachings of Sri Nityananda Prabhu. And then there will be, I believe, a drama. Huh? The Brahmacharis. The Radha Gopinath Brahmachari and Drama Ensemble will be performing a drama, I think. And then, I guess you have to now. <laughs> and then there will be a wonderful arti. Of course, the mortis on, the far, on your far left is the forms of Lord Nityananda and she, uh, Gorachandra, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As you well remember, they were both installed and Govardhan Puja. So this is the first birthday ceremony that we are offering to Lord Nityananda since his installation. So it will be a very historical event and